Welcome to iPad Pros, the show all about using your iPad to be productive and get work done. I'm Tim Chen, host of the show. The jump is like something. It's not like completely obsolete, but because of course it's the same platform and I think they did a really good job of like translating the tools from MacBook to iPad. After those 20 minutes of that learning curve, it just got like very, it, like it felt normal. Welcome back to another episode of Apple Pros. As many of you know, Apple recently announced the huge news that both Final Cut Pro and Logic Pro are coming to the iPad. And if you're listening to this on episode release day, May 23rd, 2023, then both of those apps are now out and available for download as either a $5 monthly subscription or $50 a year. I'll be doing another episode in the future all about Logic Pro on the iPad, as this episode is all about Final Cut Pro. I'm pleased to share that in this episode that we are joined by Ash from the popular TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram channels, Ash Has a Camera. Ash was one of the few people that got to use Final Cut Pro on the iPad before it was officially announced to the world by Apple, and she was featured in the official introduction video of Final Cut Pro for iPad that you'll find on Apple's website and YouTube channel. As a reminder, you can support the podcast over at patreon.com slash iPadPros or by subscribing in Apple Podcasts. My great thanks to everyone that supports the podcast. It is greatly, greatly appreciated. You can also leave a review in Apple Podcasts, which helps others discover the show. With that, here's my interview with Ash. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Ash. Hi. Yeah, it's good to be here. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm excited to have you on because um, I was watching the Final Cut announcement video that Apple released, and there you are in it. So uh, first off, congrats in being featured by Apple and being one of the first in the world to check out this new version of Final Cut for iPad. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was super exciting. So um, before we dive into all the big news of Final Cut coming to iPad, I first want to just chat a bit about your work, You know, how long you've been creating videos, what inspired you to start, um, I guess is a good place to begin with us. Yeah, so I got my start um, in summer of 2020. I had just graduated high school then, so I'm rounding out around three years, um, which is crazy to think about. But back then, um, I had taken a couple videography classes in high school. So going into college, I knew I wanted to pursue um, the entertainment industry, specifically like film and videography. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what I started exploring. And since it was like peak quarantine season, um, my friends and I just kind of had to stay home all day. We couldn't really like hang out or travel or do any of that fun stuff. Um, So I just, I had a camera at home and I busted it out and I just started filming whatever I could just from practice. Um, And, you know, I just just started posting it on TikTok um, Mm -hmm. was my first platform. And as I, I kept getting better and I kept exploring more and more projects, uh, my work started getting more traction. And that's when I started, instead of just doing like painting videos with editing flares and, and like cool editing tricks, I started yeah. actually delving into product videography as a whole. Mm-hmm. And that's how I got it started in um, the commercial space. That's really cool. And for commercial space, have you been like contracted by any companies yet to do commercials officially? 
Uh, yeah, I've yeah. been reached out to pretty consistently throughout the years. Um, and I think it's just, it's a very good opportunity because, of course, my content is so malleable to each um, brand and what they're looking for, basically, in content that's marketable organically on basically every platform. That's that's super cool. And yeah, you mentioned uh, at the beginning you did more painting videos and... The, the painting itself is very good. Is that a background that you explored in, in high school as well? Yeah. So when I first started, I think I just kind of blended all of my old hobbies that I'd kind of forgotten about back in yeah. high school with like studying for the ACTs and APs or whatever. Um, once I had the time back for myself, I kind of explored more hobbies that I could kind of just like put on the back burner for the past couple of years. Um, painting was one of them. I think videography, especially for fun, was another. Since in high school, I was creating a lot of like short films for my portfolio. And I kind of forgot about just like fun little tricks that I can make literally at home. I notice within you know TikTok, you'll create videos sometimes as a response to um, like an audience member wanting that. Is that um, part of the great thing about TikTok as a platform or... Um, that interaction with the audience? Yeah. So a lot of the times what I'll do is I'll incorporate um, like a comment commented by a user on another one of my videos just to Mm -hmm. tie it all in. And it just kind of gives this aspect of um, community where I'm interacting with my audience members and saying, hey, that's a good idea. I'll put a spin on that and then incorporate it into my next video. Yeah. And um, for the food videos... um I guess how uh, how much into like baking and cooking and like food stuff are you into? Did, like with some of those, did you have to like remember on the the YouTube the long form one? You're kind of explaining how you make your videos and your baking and stuff. How much in the baking and that kind of background uh, are you into? I actually have very little experience in cooking and baking. Yeah. Um, Which is kind of funny because that's like what I specialize in now. I think the reason why I started leaning more into food videography was just because food is such a universal concept. Everyone has their favorites. Everyone can look at the screen and be like, okay, that looks really good. And so it's such an appealing concept to such a mass audience that I was like, that's a really good niche to tap into. And now I've taught myself like a lot of recipes. Whenever I like make something new for a video, I also teach myself the recipe because I have to assemble it. Um, So now my repertoire has definitely grown. Yeah, and it's always amazing seeing food commercials, how fast food, seeing the commercial, it looks just, you know, amazing. And then you get at the restaurants, like, oh, that's, that's not exactly <laughs> It's all in the marketing. All in the for marketing, sure. yeah. And how have you kind of developed that technique of like showing off food in a fun way? You know, the sprinkles falling down top and ca- like capturing all these different elements and kind of piecing it together in a cohesive way. Yeah, with food, I would say it's all very macro. It's um, very centered around the details because when you eat food, you're very incorporated in your senses. You like taste it, you feel it. So yeah. I really have to make sure to like get the textures. You know, in post, I have to um, use speed ramps and like really zoom in onto like what I need. And sometimes I'll like sharpen things just to like really emphasize the textures. Um, so appealing to the five senses, I think, is a very strong suit in food because then the audience can almost like taste it through the screen, which is why I think those videos are so appealing too. Right. And with TikTok, do you have to design videos 
with the presumption that they can be played without sound. Like, how much does uh, your work creating it with both uh, the idea that they might have their mic, their speakers on or off when you're watching it? Yeah, I think TikTok on a pla- as a platform is so reliant on sound that I don't think I've ever okay. encountered anyone with like their sound off. Yeah, just because like um, not only is TikTok like a f- like an endless flood of videos. Yeah. Um, it has like a huge library of audios as well, which okay. um, honestly are the backbone of probably every trend on the platform. Okay. So I make sure to, especially in posts, I sync up um, every single visual to the music. Yeah. Um, like I said, it's the backbone of everything. I choose the music first and then the trend. And then that's when I shot list after that. Gotcha. My apologies. I'm not, I do not watch that much TikTok, so I wasn't sure. <laughs> um, I'm used to, yeah, I guess some platforms. Are there other platforms that are, that it's kind of like video in the kind of the silent mode they either work within? Um, I think the closest thing that comes to mind is Reels, although audios okay. are also very, very important. Yeah. But I'm on the side of Reels where it's a lot of cinematography mm-hmm. and. Um, people just like vlogging their lives, but in a very, you know, artsy, creative way. Yeah. Um, and in those videos, it very much relies on the visuals being gorgeous and, and very appealing. Uh, but then the audio also adds to that. Yeah. So. And for music, um, are you able to, you're not able to pick from any song or do you have like a um, copyright freak selection? I'm not sure. I know I've heard like with certain length, like if you're 10, se- you know, depending on the length, short stuff you'd be able to get away with or what's that approach? Yeah, for? Music yeah. has always been like a very difficult thing to navigate. Um, on YouTube, there are certain songs where you can clip like less than 30 seconds, I, I think, and mm-hmm. then share the revenue with the original copyright owner. Yeah. Um, but then especially when it comes to doing brand work, say with um, like companies, um, there's a very strict copyright free rule where I won't be able to use any music that I don't, explicitly own so in those situations i go to like audio libraries where i have a subscription and a license to use music like that um and then that's how that basically works out yeah what other platforms have you expanded to i know you have a youtube platform um with some longer form stuff which is which is cool as well um is instagram a place what what other kind of platforms have you explored yeah um my three central platforms are tiktok youtube and instagram and I've tried Pinterest, I've tried like Facebook and Snapchat, but I think those three are my biggest pillars. Yeah. Um, so I love in the videos how um, the TikTok videos and YouTube and uh, whatnot, um, you kind of show a little bit of like, the behind the scenes and then the final results and all in one just quick video. And I think that's a pretty cool idea of just showing, you know, how you do get your work done a little bit as well. Is that a is that a common thing in TikTok seeing both angles of that in such a short time or Um for me the reason why I do it is because on TikTok the algorithm very much values people engaging with the content mm-hmm. and so in my stuff I I make sure to really like tell a story throughout every single video that I post Yeah um and I found that a lot of people you know like you would think that the main selling point is like the final commercial with the really pretty shots um shot on my like professional camera it's actually the behind the scenes part like the storytelling mm-hmm. part that people really gravitate towards um because they want to see how I create my videos especially in like 
just like a tiny apartment right. at my college. Yeah. Um, so that's really what like grabs the audience, I think. And so both of those parts are equally important. Mm-hmm. And so I make sure to put equal amounts of attention and thought into both. Yeah. And something that was just, uh, just a dumb moment was when I saw like a MacBook pro behind one of your shots as like, um, like a backdrop, which is like, Oh, that makes total sense. Disney does this much larger scale for like star Wars. Um, but yeah, where does ideas like that come from using things in your environment to, to turn them into kind of video tools? Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of just like staring around my apartment and seeing (laughs) what I have. Um, I've used like, like clothing, like thread to suspend things from my lights before and like turn them and stuff. Um, but I do attribute a lot of like the techniques that I've learned to also other creators that I've seen online. Um, I've seen people use the backdrop trick before and I thought it was like super, um, clever. And of course it saves so much, um, space and, and money too, with buying so many colored backdrops. Um, so I definitely do take a lot of inspiration from like also the media that I consume online. Yeah. Is stop motion animation something you play around with much for your videos? I'm not, sh- I'm not sure if that's like a technique. I've done like one or two shots. I definitely like am, stop motion is not like my strong suit in yeah. any any way, shape or form, but um, I have dabbled in it. Okay. Yeah. It's always, it's a very time consuming thing. I've played around with the yeah. past, you know, making, you know, your action figures come to life. It's, it's a fun thing, um, but it's not <laughs> time consuming for sure. Um, does, um, does Final Cut provide a way to do that directly or did, when you do use that kind of a technique, do you have to resort to other tools? Um, the times that I have done it, I've personally used Final Cut, mm-hmm. where I just take like a series of photos and then I make them all one frame long and then I string them all together. Yeah. Um, but of course, like I'm, I've only dabbled in it once or twice, so yeah. there might right. be like a more professional way to mm-hmm. do it that I'm not sure of. But yeah. it's definitely, it's definitely possible in Final Cut. Yeah. So as you're honing your skills, doing commercials and, and whatnot, um, do you see yourself in like 10 you know, years, whatever, working for any of these big companies? Or do you, do you like being able to just bounce around company to company, creating commercials for them and kind of getting to explore different uh, products in that way? Yeah, I absolutely love freelancing because yeah. it's um, there's so many opportunities out there for you. Of course, it is a little like rocky. You, you're not entirely sure in terms of like stability, but um, I love being able to work with co- like such different clients from month to month. Um, so in ten years, I think I'd definitely want to like make my own production company mm-hmm. and like make these projects on a like a much bigger scale with a lot of collaboration and you know bouncing ideas off of teammates and stuff um but definitely want to explore different kinds of products different projects um potentially even at the same time and really like do as much as i can yeah that's awesome and so as you started it's only been three years uh, as you've had your techniques and skills develop over those three years what are some of the things you're most proud of as far as oh, I can now do this. And that would have been a, a huge challenge in the, in the beginning of all this. Uh, to be honest, I think everything. Yeah. Like if I three years ago saw like the videos that I've been making now, I don't think I'd really believe or I just think it would be really cool just because like, especially when people just start out with an editing platform, you know, the things that they're doing and they're, they're learning is just like cutting clips at certain points and then syncing yeah. it with music. But honestly, like 
for me, I think that even the most like advanced, like seeming editing tricks that I do, it's just built up from the basics where um, like the speed ramps are just that they're speed yeah. ramps and the animations. Um, it's just like transforming a single um, photo or like video and then like speed ramp making it a little bit and spicing it up. And then that's just like built up from the basic techniques. So I think um, like coming this far, I think it's more important to really like get a hold of the basics and yeah. see like what you can do with it rather than, oh, it's like a new tool that like I haven't learned yet or stuff like that, especially when it comes to Final Cut. Yeah. And is that the tool you started with when you three years ago? Is it Final Cut from day one? You've kind of, kind of been learning more and more tricks within that app. Yeah, I think day one was um, iMovie. Mm -hmm. And then after, I think, half a year, I kind of just graduated to Final Cut. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, gear-wise, um, how has that kind of evolved? Like, camera-wise, different cameras from when you started, you know, different computers, all that. Uh, yeah, so I started with the Panasonic Lumix G7, okay. I want to say. Um, starter camera and it was my first ever camera mm -hmm. and I was kind of just figuring out like I didn't understand the concept of aperture or ISO or shutter speed at all I just kind of yeah. like point and shot um, and then once I started to like get a grasp of all those settings I got the Canon 90D um, in a in a bundle from like Costco yeah and I used that for a pretty long time and that's when I kind of started doing my product videography stuff mm -hmm. um so it was kind of like a mid-tier camera but a lot was definitely possible with it and then now I use the Sony a7s3 um yep. and I absolutely love it it's kind of the best thing ever <laughs> nice yeah. yeah um I have a micro four-thirds Sony and I I do love that camera it's it's it gets some great shots um um Different lens system, right? With the moving from Canon to Sony? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was like the number one thing that I was most concerned about because mm -hmm. I had a couple starter lenses from Canon already. So yeah. I already had more options. Um, but I do think the switch to the Sony A7S III was worth it. Yeah. Did you um, do any multi-cam stuff or do you just shoot with the one camera um, primarily? Yeah, I shoot with the one camera Okay. as of right now, yeah. Gotcha. And then you'll sometimes have, you know, your iPhone to shoot you shooting <laughs> with the, the real camera. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And then um, you're just using a MacBook Pro primarily for kind of doing all the edits. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've recently made the upgrade from the 2016 MacBook Pro to the M2 chip. Um, and the difference is like night to day. Yeah. I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And then um, iPad wise, is that uh, a tool in your arsenal? Um, or has it been a tool? And, you know, um, did you have one prior to this announcement of Final Cut coming to iPad? I actually don't have an iPad, and okay. I still don't have an yeah. iPad. Um, way back in the day, I have used it before um, when I had my little, like, digital drawing sure. um, phase. Yeah. And I will say, like, with the Apple Pencil and everything, it's just very, very easy. Um, and I loved it a lot. And then slowly as I got to college, I kind of like dropped off that and focused a lot more on like videography editing. Right. Um, so that's, that's kind of my focus for now. Okay. Gotcha. Cool. So, um, yeah, let's jump into, um, Final Cut coming to iPad. So, um, what was your initial reaction ab about <laughs> this, uh, 
um, coming to iPad and also, I guess, hearing directly from Apple before the rest of the world knew must have been a cool kind of moment for you. Yeah, I mean, I had no idea what to expect going into that meeting, but um, when they unveiled it, it was definitely like a very, very cool moment where like in my mind, I was already imagining like all the new possibilities or everything that I could do with it. Yeah. Um, so it, it was a very cool announcement to, to be there for. Yeah. How much time um, did Apple kind of let you spend to kind of get a sense of Final Cut on iPad to see, you know, how this would work into your own kind of workflows for different videos you'd like to shoot one day? Yeah, so they they gave me a pretty comprehensive, um, like, presentation of basically everything that was coming with the iPad. Yeah. um, The Final Cut. Um, But... Before we actually got to shooting, and I actually didn't really get to sit with the iPad f- for more than like two hours. Um, I just met them and like I ran through like the absolute basics and yeah. I was like, um, yeah, this is really cool. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, after like the first, I want to say like 20 minutes, um, obviously with the, the, like the UI and, and like having different tools at your arsenal, it's like the, the jump is, like something it's not like completely obsolete um but because of course it's the same platform and i think they did a really good job of like translating the tools from macbook to ipad after those 20 minutes of that learning curve it just got like very it like it felt normal yeah so there wasn't a big learning curve to like oh i know right here how do i do it over here it kind of like yeah yeah, it was more of like a thing of like going through the menus and and relearning where everything was but then that basics and the techniques all like translated really well nice and uh did you have a setup with the magic keyboard as well or was it primarily just in the tablet mode where you're using the touch interface yeah i had the tablet and then an apple pencil Tablet Apple Pencil, cool. Um, and like the jog wheel and kind of the touch accommodations, that all felt it, it wasn't a big learning curve. That felt kind of natural and, and good to you. Hmm. Yeah, I found myself like reaching for it pretty immediately after I like I learned about it. Um, so it was very useful. Very cool. Um, and can you explain a bit more about the jog wheel and kind of how it functions a bit? I understood a little bit about you're able to like kind of do. Um, kind of frame by frame um, interactions or kind of what's the jog wheel all about? Yeah, I think it was just like a tool made to enhance basically the process of like skimming through clips um, just because like if you just have your finger on the screen, it's a little clunky. Um, it can like get in the way and you can't really see what you're doing. So the jog wheel, it can get very, very precise. Yeah. Um, and from what I remember, it also snaps into place too. So like, it's very like intuitive to see, like you can skim very finely through your clips yeah. just to like see all the details. And then if you need to, you can also snap to the beginning or the end of clips as well. Nice. And then um, does it, sh- how do you kind of uh, initiate the jog wheel? Does it show up anywhere that you like tap and hold or is there a certain button that kind of brings it up? I don't want to say exactly yeah. what because I don't like super duper remember. Okay. But I think it is a button that you that comes up and then yeah. it like it lives in like the bottom right corner of the screen gotcha. where you can just nice. like um, move up and down and it'll nice. work. Yeah, because I'm trying to just visualize like um, interacting with Final Cut. You you don't want it accidentally coming up. Which is right, right. A place for that. So um, your workflow uh, working with Final Cut on the Mac. 
does everything translate over from what you've seen to the iPad version? Like, if you wanted to, could you just you know grab grab an iPad Pro and do do your videos from there? Or was were there missing components from what you've used? Um, to be honest, I think the vast majority of everything um, translated over pretty well, especially since I'm I'm getting more into like long form YouTube videos with like vlogs and stuff. Um, so those like macro projects that are potentially like more long form, I think that really excels with the iPad. Um, like if I, for example, was on a trip to somewhere on a plane or like in an Uber even, yeah. I would definitely like bring those projects to the iPad Pro and just work on it on the go. Um, just because like those clips are longer, it's less like detailed and fine and um, right. like the at like the the titles and the generators and the effects all like have translated. Um, so I think it would be pretty like intuitive and easy to do that. Um, but for my current like tabletop videos, yeah. I think the stuff that I make is very niche in the fact that like they are like 20 se- seconds absolute maximum and I'm working like frame by frame and yeah. it's like so <laughs> precise. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do a lot of like post-production processing where I'm like transforming the actual clip and like rotating it and then keyframing and all of that. Um, which then makes it a little harder, especially with like the touch screen and just how that works. I do prefer like having a keyboard and a mouse. Um, and I will say like the number one thing that I think I've missed the most is speed ramping. Um, you are able to like splice the clip into two separate clips and like make one, um, like say 50% and then the other keep it at a hundred percent, but there is no like gradual shift Uh, between those. Yeah. As opposed to on Final Cut for the MacBook, you can just press Shift B and it just like splits it just like that. Okay. Um, and that's a feature that I use for probably every single clip. Um, and I would very much miss that okay. uh, on the iPad Pro. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully they get to adding that one day because. Um, yeah. Yeah. It sounds like yeah, it, it is subscription based pricing. So hopefully they have incentive to continue to mm-hmm. try to mm-hmm. get up to feature parity with the the Mac. Um, because right now it's a one way trip. You can start on iPad and go to Mac. Um, I'd imagine their end goal is to try to add more and more of these features so it could be a round trip process. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, um, I'd also be curious, um, you know, in the future, um, trying this out with the, the trackpad and keyboard and seeing how much that makes it, um, more conducive to those kind of. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause yeah. Cause that, that is something that, uh, is, can can work pretty nicely with that um so the apple pencil you mentioned you did have and we're using an m2 ipad pro i believe so how is that experience like um there's you know hovering over clips to kind of preview and and things like that yeah i think in terms of like using final cut on the ipad it is a very like good tool to have uh, because it adds so much more precision also And it's so intuitive because, again, like that skimming feature, you can just hover the pencil over the iPad and you will be able to like just have an overview of the clips. Yeah. Um, And so that's like a feature that I really loved using. Um, Another that they showed that I was very impressed by was you could just draw directly on um, the screen and then it will auto auto animate um, whatever you draw or write. Um, so I thought that was very cool as well. 
That's pretty. And with the drawing, so does it capture kind of how fast your drawing kind of let you play around without that animation, or kind of can you dive into like what? What what's the end result asset? It gives you like an extra track with like that drawing that you can manipulate or Yeah, so it's an extra track and then it auto animates where you can change like the speed at which it finishes or you can make it like draw out a little bit more yeah. or like um finish uh, immediately. Um and it's also transparent so you can overlay it um between things, over things. Yeah, so it's a very cool thing and I was very impressed by it because like on the Mac, of course you can't do that at all. You would have to do it on an iPad and then it imported in. Right. Um, so that's a feature that really stood out to me um, where it would be a very big advantage to have an iPad and do that um, as opposed to in the MacBook. Yeah. And do you know, is it pressure sensitive, like fountain pen mimicking where you could have a thin to thick line kind of with pressure? Yeah, it is. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then you get a pick. Um, imagine all the ink colors, whatever you're working mm-hmm, with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is um, that one style or um, there's no like pencil version of it where it like looks different as far as like the ink that's laying down. I think there are different are there? Um, okay. like tools that you can pick from. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. That thing looked very neat. And um, I could see even like creating educational materials like that being an interesting Mm-hmm. avenue for editing where you're just circling stuff and drawing on on stuff that could be yeah interesting from that angle too exactly yeah yeah multicam is in here um it's not something that you use in your own videos uh is this something that um you played around with just to see what it's like or yeah um it's a tool that like really streamlines the process of like creating, I think, especially vlogs or like long form mm-hmm. content, yeah. where if you have a bunch of different shots, you can rotate between them on the beat to the music, um, which then, of course, like cuts down a ton of time of just like splicing things and, and like copy and pasting different clips and then like narrowing them down. Of course, for my videos, since I have a very specific shot list for each one, I wouldn't necessarily use that because I don't really go back and forth between clips. Yeah. But I will say for, say, like interviews or or like having B-roll and then like talking heads, it would be so easy just to like have a layout of just a bunch of clips and then like just tap through each one instead of needing to manually do it. Um, so I definitely see a lot of potential for that feature too. Yeah, and the audio sync... Um, seems to work just as well as it would on the Mac. Yeah. Um, yeah. And do you get four tracks plus an audio track or is it four in total? Do, do, you, do you recall? I don't think okay. so. Gotcha. Okay. And then, um, let's see. Machine learning is something they're adding to the iPad version, which I think all of this stuff is not on the Mac version yet. I'd imagine this is a preview <laughs> to what's coming next for the Mac version. Um, so they call these fast cut automations and the first is a scene removal mask, which isolates the subject without the need of a green screen. Um, this seems like something right up your alley as you kind of isolate, you know, sprinkles falling from the sky or whatnot. Uh, how did this kind of tool, uh, work for you? Yeah. I mean, it's a, an amazing tool just because it has so many applications. Um, I was very excited about it. I think, 
for the scene removal tool, I, it would work the best with, again, like vlogs and, and like adding spice to your videos or like promotional videos and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, because they showed like a couple clips of like someone walking across the screen and you could automatically like key out the person um, without needing to draw a single mask. And that was just very cool. Um, for my product videos, it's again, because it's so precise and detail oriented that like a single blip in like, or error in the removal will completely just like not be able to, um, I wouldn't be able to use it. And as of right now, there is not that much customization that goes into it where, um, once you drag it on, you can't really change like the feathering of it or like how it looks and stuff like that, which I um, assume it's something that they're going to like polish later on. Um, but like for overarching shots that are like more, you know, like a very distinct subject and like, um, wide angle and has like a background, I think it's, it works very, very well for that. Um, but in terms of like getting to like the macro and like the details, um, yeah, they would have to polish it a little bit more. Yeah. I know with photo editing and I'll use some of the machine learning, like, remove the background and it does a good first pass a lot of times, but at least mm-hmm. with photo editing, you can then go in and like make sure that clean it little, up a bit. Yeah, clean up a bit. So yeah, yeah. Hopefully they add things like that to, to do mm-hmm. cleanup work after the, the first pass. Yeah. But I think it's an amazing idea that they're implementing. And I mean, I would love to see it on the MacBook version as well. Yeah. Um, because it like would be so helpful in so many situations. So, yeah. And I don't know if it would be even, um, for prototyping stage is a cool tool to just like test some things out. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then the other, uh, big one is an auto crop, which intelligently adjusts footage for different aspect ratios. Um, any general thoughts regarding this? Um, I actually didn't um, delve into that much in okay. my testing. Yeah, because yeah, I'd imagine like if you're shooting for vertical, you're probably you have your camera set up for vertical. So this is, I'm, I'm guessing, just probably that it's I don't know allowing people to, to morph in the different kind of ec- final outputs so you can have. Right? Yeah, I'd assume it's very useful for, like, repurposing content. Yeah. Um, since sometimes, like, especially clients, sometimes they need horizontal assets versus vertical. Um, so being able to do that automatically would be just, like, very useful. Yeah. And it would, like, be able to use the same content for, like, a bunch of different applications. Yeah, which seems neat. Um, and then the final one is voice isolation, which is something Apple's been putting everywhere. Um, it's kind of... Um, it's an audio plugin on um, just iOS apps, like my podcast editor for iPad. This voice isolation thing is available to that app because it's like system level and it's now in Final Cut, which is cool. Um, is this something you would use for your kind of sound mastering process or do you have a good workflow in place already? Um, I think me personally, I do already have a pretty good workflow for it, um, especially since like a lot of my content especially short form. Yeah. Um, I don't include voiceover or like sometimes I do, but then I'll just use, I'll talk right into my iPhone or like record the audio separately. Um, and then of course, like put it back in, but I do see also like a lot of application for it because voiceovers are so prominent. Um, or even if like you're outside and like there is background noise, but then you're also like trying to talk. Um, I think having that, feature and then just being able to isolate your voice and like 
put it back in would be like very helpful, um, especially for longer form content. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, when you're in unpredictable environments, it's, it's, it's a nice thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so next up it's the, is the dynamic titles, effects, music, and backgrounds. Um, you delve into a little bit of this for your own um, videos and imagine um, how easy were these to work with? Did it feel kind of right at home manipulating titles and backgrounds and all that? Yeah. I mean, other than like the, of course, like the learning curve of going from like different UI designs, um, I will say like the titles, like putting in titles and then animating them translates pretty well yeah. where you, it's like a similar process where you keyframe it. You can like, translate or transform each title and then like have them move across the screen or whatever you need to do. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't recall if every single effect in trans and, um, title has made it over from a MacBook to iPad. But since for me personally, usually if I'm like working with titles for motion graphics, I use just like the most basic title and then change the font and the size and whatever. Um, so that's all made it over. Nice, yeah. And is the music helpful in Final Cut? Do you ever delve into there as a source for any of your your content? I've actually not. Um, It's something that I do want to explore. And when I was working with Apple um, to test out the program for the first time, I actually did use some of the tracks, and they were, like, very good. Good, yeah. And then um, I'm curious about color grading. This is something... Um, important for a lot of videographers, I'd imagine. Um, how uh, did you get to play around with like importing LUTs or video scopes to kind of get the look you're after? I'm not sure. Is this something you currently do with your own videos? Um, I did not get the chance to import LUTs, I don't think, but they do have vector scopes and video like waveforms yeah. that you can pull up um, to work with as you're also like going through the video. Um, and from what I remember, like the setup was very intuitive and it made a lot of sense where you would be able to like see the two side by side. You could like resize the vector scope window. Um, you could either like, you can have it like pop up and then like move it to wherever you wanted. Um, so that was very cool to see. Nice. Yeah. And then, um, motion templates is a big unknown. Uh, uh, do you know, is that something you're able to import and play around with in, in final cut? I'm not sure if you use motion in your own day-to-day with uh, the work you do. Um, I have it downloaded, but I've never actually explored it. So that's on my to-do list. And if it does support motion, um, like crossover, that'd be also really cool. But I can't say for sure. Gotcha. Yeah, when I... um. I used to do a lot more on the Mac and uh, when I did, I, I do own motion and <laughs> I opened it the couple times and it was a lot scarier than final cut. So I kind of <laughs> stayed within final cut mostly. Yeah. I've seen the menus and it's a lot to learn. It seems like, so one day I'll sit down and get to it. Yeah. Uh, so something that the iPad has, which the Mac doesn't really have that good of is a camera. Um, and the, you know, Final Cut on the iPad Pro um, has a way to capture video directly within the apps. So you don't have to, you know, offload stuff into it. You can just kind of work on the iPad all kind of um, closed ecosystem kind of thing. And they've introduced these new capturing kind of presets for different lighting scenarios. If you're kind of in bad fluorescent lighting, they have a setting for that. Is that something you played around with for um, capturing directly within Final Cut? Um, I didn't get the chance to play around with that specifically, but mm-hmm. I have 
um, been able to like use the camera on the iPad that they gave me and then like import that footage into Final Cut, which was very easy. Um, I also got the chance to like, since I capture everything onto my SD card on my camera and then I brought an SD dongle that converts to Mm USB-C. Um, literally all I needed to do was plug that into like the charging port that was also USB-C and then everything imported very, very easily where you just like a menu comes up, you tap everything, click import, and then they're all just in there. Um, which is very surprisingly easy. I thought there was going to be like more steps to it, but it took like 30 seconds. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I know, um, there are some apps uh, on iPad that you can like even edit directly off external, you know, SSDs and hard drives and stuff. Um, so I'm curious how well Final Cut plays into all that. Um, that's something obviously we haven't had time to test. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the idea of that is really cool, where you can just like plug in an external hard drive and like edit off of it, and then like take it back out. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then um, keyframing is there for both audio and video, and it's keyframing what you do in the initial process of like syncing up the big hits in the music track to, to have a splash to. Um, I think it's like whenever I need to mark a certain audio, like say a beat drop or like, um, the beat of a music, I press the, the key M, yeah. um, which is different from keyframing, okay. but it's like, just like putting like a little marker or like mm-hmm. a flag okay. on each track. Gotcha. Um, yeah, and I don't recall if that was in the iPad specifically, but okay. yeah, I'd imagine it's in there. Um, mm-hmm. Probably would be helpful to have a keyboard for for that one though. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, for the keyframing stuff, what what are you able to do with with this for audio and video here on iPad? Yeah, I mean, so I think it lives in a separate menu basically. So there's keyframing, and then there's like the transform tools. So in when you're keyframing, um, I think the skills translate very well where you can just like say um move a f- like a video from one end of the screen to the other end mm-hmm. um uh, and then you can also like change the spot of the keyframes to make the motion faster slower um so there's a lot of customization and um as someone who like was working off of the macbook pro um i think like figuring all of that out was very intuitive so I learned all of it pretty quickly. Nice. Yeah. And then um, file format wise, sounded like your camera fully supported out of the box. Did you shoot in raw or what's kind of, was that um, just easy, easy peasy kind of working with um, the video formats you shoot in? Yes. I shoot in 4k ProRes raw, which um, I mentioned earlier that I used to work with the 2016 MacBook. Um, Whenever I would import into that, like, and I tried to press play, nothing would happen. Like, it would completely freeze and freak out. Um, so then I had to, like, make proxies and wait for all of that to process. And it would be, like, uh, like hours of time <laughs> yeah, of right. just, like, processing. Um, so something that really impressed me about the M2 MacBook was that um, it's not perfect. It's still a little bit stuttery, but you are able to, like, play it if you need to um, without the necessary, like, creation of, like, too many proxies. Right. So going into the iPad, that was like one of the first questions I had for them was like, so how is this going to handle um, like really massive file sizes and like 4K, like ProRes, RAW, um, like how do you make proxies and stuff like that? 
Um, but getting my hands on the iPad, it plays so smoothly that it like doesn't feel real. <laughs> and I still don't understand how they did that, but it was like very, very impressive how smoothly like it could go. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, my, my initial time editing, um, was in 2011. I had like the MacBook air back then and it could do it, but yeah, the proxies were <laughs> critical mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. that back then. And it's amazing. Yeah, what exactly. IPad can do today. Yeah. Uh, when you finish a project and kind of export it, do you know, is, are there, um, there are presets for the different social networks. Are you able to add your own kind of like tweaks to presets? So if there's like a TikTok preset, can you like modify a bit, a bit to like adjust the resolution or, or whatever it is that you'd like to export as? Um, I don't actually recall. I think like for my own editing, I don't really use presets necessarily. Yeah. Um, it's just like whenever I start a new file, I immediately like choose like vertical, horizontal, 4k, et cetera, et cetera. And then that's just what I stick with. Um, so for the iPad, I was, uh, I would assume that it's something similar to that. From what you've seen so far, is an iPad in your future in the next year or so? Uh, is that something you'd um, consider adding to your lineup for when you're traveling or want to try the, the pencil stuff more for the, the drawing on, on a frame and whatnot? Honestly, I want to say yes because of the fact that um, I am graduating this year. So after next year, I anticipate a lot more like traveling and being on the go as well as kind of like branching out my content from just tabletop stuff to like longer form, say like vlogs and stuff like that, where um, having an iPad would be very helpful. Um, So it's definitely an investment that I'm looking at. Awesome. Yeah. And um, it, the, and it'd be another, a screen you can use as a backdrop if if need be as well. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, anything we haven't covered, um, about Final Cut Pro on iPad that you'd like to before we wrap it up? No, I think that was a pretty comprehensive discussion. Awesome. Yeah, I tried to kind of look at what's there. and Yeah. Uh, I think we, we covered our basis here. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for your time today. Um, it's been great kind of learning, you know, how you got your start and not that so long ago. And it's just super impressive watching kind of the final output uh, today. And where can people kind of find your, your videos? Yeah, so my handles on all platforms are at Ash has a camera um, on TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram. That's mostly where I live. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ash. I really appreciate your time today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Well, that's my interview with Ash. You can find Ash's website at ashhasacamera.me. Just search for Ash has a camera, and you'll find her incredible TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram channels. My thanks again for Ash for taking time out of her schedule to record. And my thanks to you for your time and attention tuning in. You can support this podcast over at patreon.com slash iPadPros or by subscribing in Apple Podcasts. The next episode dropping will be all about Apple's WWDC announcements as we are getting real close to that happening. And I can't wait to see what we have coming this year to iPad OS. And with that... I'll talk to everyone again real soon for a fun-filled WWDC discussion.